Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're talking the cultural influence of Black Panther, some Kickstarter issues, and is the next blockbuster movie about Cheetos? All this and more as we reach our next stop. The PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back for another episode of the PCC Multiverse. We truly thank you for listening to us each and every week on the show. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I want to thank you again for stopping by and listening to us. And it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He's the man, the myth, the legend at Humanica Media. You got to check out all the great things going on on their network today at HumanicaMedia.com. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? What up, what up, what up? Just wrapped up Faye. And I have to tell you, I have never seen a game so beautiful that confused me so much. Well, it sounded like it was a fun time for you. You talked about all the different platforming and, and just the way it got you through the narrative without any real voiceovers or anything of that nature. So it seemed like you were having a fun time with the streams that you were showing off on your Humanic Media channel on YouTube. So Definitely people need to take a look at that and see if Faye is the right game for them. Well, it's going to be a great episode we got for you here today. We got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to talk about a couple Kickstarter projects, Eye of the Beholder, and also System Shock that maybe not are going as well as planned or as, as what was once thought of. And If you're investing in either one of those projects, you may want to hear what Rob has to say. Plus also as well, we've got... TJ Johnson from The Voice from the Underground. He's going to be talking the cultural influence of the big hit around the world right now, Black Panther. Over $500 million already in the bank. Looks like it's going to be heading towards a billion dollars and even more. It's such a great, great story as far as the box office is concerned. He's going to talk about the cultural and societal influences of the movie later on in the program. But first, Josh... You know, we got to talk about some great things going on in the comics world because, once again, it looks like another major entity in the comics world is doing a reboot. This time it's Marvel. Now, we, we heard before that Marvel was going to do a whole new lineup as far as make a changes, a lot of changes in with the way they structured their Marvel comics with only a certain number of, of specific 
comics that they're going to be issuing out and that you'll you're starting to see them flow out right now with number one editions but the one that actually got everybody up in arms this week was marvel's avengers they're actually instead of the uncanny the west coast uh, you know all these other avengers stories going on they're just going to have one central avengers and start off with a number one edition later on the spring so i want to hear your thoughts on that and also the thoughts on actually marvel rebooting it as a whole as a reaction to maybe declining sales and also declining readership from longtime fans as well. So I'm curious about that. I was trying to get more info and they didn't really have any. Are they rebooting everything from scratch? It seems like it right now because every edition that's coming out right now is a number one edition. Oh, okay. Well, hey, that's good. I mean, if they're, I'm curious if they're going to be telling new origin tales or what's going on with that. That'd be really cool. I would like to see them do what DC did with their new 52 and kind of just reboot the entire universe. Show us, you know, from origin point to to the gathering, like the Avengers and, you know, give us some something new, new villains, new stories like that would be really cool. Because right now, Marvel is so, you know, they have amazing Spider-Man's up and it's almost up to its thousandth issue. And it's just their numbering system is so weird. They always do this thing where they're like, hey, we're going to reboot it, but not really. So you have it jump from. You know issue 116 to issue like three or something and it just it doesn't make any sense at all so you know as a comic book fan i've grown tired of trying to keep up with a lot of these stories i st- I've, you know i haven't read marvel comics in a long time but if they were to reboot everything and actually start from from point number one like that would be something i could get on board with but i know they have characters like robbie reyes and like the new uh cho the new hulk um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm down for keeping those guys around, but just give us a starting point. You know, even if they are are already there, those heroes, uh, you know, taking on those alter egos, just give us give us something fresh. Give us something that that starts at issue one and that we can follow consistently for the next four or five years. And that would be something that could get me on board. It also goes without saying that the problems within the comic book industry and all the things that marvel and dc have tried to do in recent times when it comes to trying to earn back those sales i think a lot of it has to do for the on the marvel side when it comes to the secret empire well it was secret empire being such a part of last year's controversy rising up because captain america had become uh you know such an evil part of uh, hydra and such a major part of that entity and people just really just revolted and and rebelled against that. And even though Marvel tried to put a happy face on it all at the end and tried to tie a nice bow into it, it, it's clearly those type of mistakes. And obviously comic book and superhero fatigue may have been set in before it set in on the films. It may have set in on things such as the TV shows that, that are put on ABC CW, but also as well into the comic book scene with DC and also Marvel necessitating this type of reboot because of declining sales. Is that something also as well? Uh, Because I really know Secret Empire, there was a real backlash to that with Captain America going rogue in Hydra. Yeah, but I mean, it's a a stopgap measure. It's like it's it's a temporary thing. You're going to bring fans back and then they're just going to go back to their old habits of having these long drawn out stories. And then once they get everyone back on board, who's to say they're not going to have another Captain America situation. And this is why it's important to give new fans. Cause I saw in the interview, they were talking, you know, the 
editor-in-chief was saying that he's excited because it's like a jumping on point for people who have never read comic books or were old fans looking to pick up issues and start reading them again and he was saying it's a good jumping on point so i'm i'm wondering just how far down the, the reboot rabbit hole they're going to go and if they're going to start at um you know issue ones are they going to be bringing their characters back in and then if so what's the next marvel event going to look like is it going to be something that we can sink our teeth into or is it going to be something that's going to jump off of old continuity secret empire uh, as far as the way that marvel wanted to go with with captain america but i understand that especially when talking to you as our comic book expert and someone who has been a part of the comic book scene for so long you you know diving back into it, it you need something fresh to get into and hopefully this is the ticket to that and the way to get a kickstart back into the comic book industry because it's clear something is needed i just think a lot of fans tuned out during the secret empire series that was made with captain america i know a lot of people like i said revolted against it and didn't want to finish out the series no matter how happy the ending was even though by some appearances and some rumors had it that then maybe that this wasn't the way the Marvel wanted to end the series at all. But, you know, be that as it may, you, like you said, DC is doing its rebirth series with all of its series going back to the, you know, original form. And, and I just think at this point in time, they need to do things like this to recapture that audience. It's clear that even going to a digital form with Marvel Unlimited and, and also DC's uh, structure that you can get for digitally are still not the ticket for people to have that ease and convenience. It's still not something that I guess people are, are really getting into at, at a high enough level. I think at this point in time, Marvel and DC are still scratching their heads on exactly what they can do. And I guess for Marvel, this seems to be at least one way that they can start the process going forward. If you were at Marvel at DC at this point in time, is this a route that you would be taking or is there some other route that you would want to take in order to get this comic book industry back off the ground and keep it going in the right direction? You know, we've talked about this with DC and like I've made my, you know, I, I said before and I'll say it now that Marvel, honestly, like these aren't our our father's comic books. You know, we we grew up. We, we know the stories, we know the classic villains, we know, we know the origins. I think people are tired of continuity from the 60s. Like, if just reboot, start from scratch, keep the heroes, you can have Peter Parker, whatever it is, but give us, give us something new to sink our teeth in and something that's less confusing for collectors. You know, they have these, these weird numbering systems and it's too many universes. I know they're trying to close those up with uh, Secret Empire, Secret Wars. Marvel has a tendency to create these worlds and then they don't finish them and they have good ideas like let's destroy everything, let's make battle world, let's do this, let's do that. Just start from scratch. I think that is the best business decision that they could make right now. And, you know, I'm hopeful that this is what that is, but at the same time, it, it looks very doubtful because it looks like they are only going to be starting at issue one with the Avengers, in which case, you know, that's kind of something they've already done. So what's the point? At least it's Marvel and DC acknowledging that there is a problem that they may be out of touch with its readers. And this is hopefully one way that they can reconnect with that audience and get back to the way the, the comic book series are concerned. I know a lot of people within the comic book shops and comic book industry themselves that are, that are trying to analyze and be 
understanding of the situation were concerned as far as the future of the comic book industry. And at least at this point in time, from both a DC and now a Marvel standpoint, restarting again is maybe that one way outside of obviously coming up with that next great idea as far as a comic series is concerned. At least this is a way to have that, like you said, a stopgap that hopefully will right the sinking ship and head it towards a good direction. What are your thoughts on the reboot of the Marvel comic series, including the Avengers going to consolidated form and going out as one entity? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. It's going to be a great episode. Like I said, we've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. We also have as well TJ Johnson from Voice from the Underground standing by sharing his thoughts on Black Panther and what it means to him and what it means to the community as well. Plus, Josh and I are going to be back a little bit later in the program with our thoughts on a possible Cheetos movie. All this and more coming up in the show today. We hope you enjoy it indeed. But first, it's our good friend, Elijah Harrison. He's got an alter ego named Plasma Z, and this is one of his great songs, which you can find today on SoundCloud. And this is Shadows of Chernobyl. And this is the PCC Multiverse.
Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back. It's Black Panther. It is Marvel's biggest hit right now as far as 2018. It is just exploding all over the world with box office records just going by the wayside because this movie has been such a hit all over the place. A big cultural statement and also a big societal win for everyone out there that's watching this, not only because of the messages, but the themes as well. And who better to talk about some of those themes and what it means to our society and our culture, but my good friend, TJ Johnson from The Voice from the Underground, available now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker. TJ, it's great to have you aboard, my friend. How's it going? Oh, well, after that intro, man, I'm, I'm gushing. You got me looking like a little schoolgirl blushing and stuff. Don't be well, doing that to me, man. I told you, you fed me one time. I'm going to keep coming back. You don't, you don't have to butter me up. I'm here. I'm I good. Try, <laughs> I try hard. I try hard to make sure every guest is truly appreciated on the Pop Culture Cosmos. No the doubt, man. Players. I'm just glad to be back with you guys, man. TJ, share your thoughts with us on Black Panther and why you think it's so important to our society and what influence it will have on our culture. Oh my goodness. Let me start off by saying that as I'm watching Black Panther, so I went to go see it twice. Um, I flew down to Chicago to uh, surprise my daughter and sneak up on her. She had no idea. It was, it was great. It was an awesome surprise. But we went to go see Black Panther. And, you know, all throughout that movie, man, the, there, were, there were a few words that I would use to describe my thought process. The first one was just pure joy. The second one was, <laughs> weirdly enough, man, I was, I was super proud. I was super proud of the director, Ryan Coogler, the cast from Lupita to Denai to Michael B. Jordan to Chadwick Boseman to, I mean. And that to me is one of the strongest points of Black Panther is the acting at such a, a combined level of, of greatness not seen before in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And with all the A-list actors at the top of their game, it's no wonder why Black Panther came out so well. So outside of the fact that it's a superhero film, outside of the fact that it's a predominantly black ensemble uh, cast, there were very, very strong thematic elements that the casual moviegoer might miss. Um, and the reason I say this, because as I said, I went to go see it twice. First time for me, it was, it was spectacle. It was a beautiful movie. Everything just felt right. The atmosphere felt right. The way they shot the way, it, this is exactly how I expected Wakanda to look. When they went to that either that 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 plane where he got to see his father, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to spoil too much. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling anything, but the fact that that Ethero the plane it looked exactly how I felt like it should. Now, obviously, you know Marvel and Disney are in bed together. Disney owns Marvel, so it was very Lion Kingy. I don't know if you if you recall Lion King when oh, yeah. Simba had that vision with Mufasa, and it was like dark blue, like all the colors: dark blue, purples, pinks. Some some hues of a slightly orange tint. It was almost the ex you could almost put that screen next to screen in Black Panther, and it almost looks like the exact same scene. It was a beautifully shot, beautifully just just put together moment. I can feel the influence of James Bond and Skyfall in the first part of the film, but definitely a Lion King feel as well, especially in the scenes where T'Challa communicates with his father. Chadwick Boseman has some truly prophetic words during the end credits that I truly think that everyone needs to take notice of and how everyone needs to take a, a, you know, a real lesson from them. 
And, you know, so to, to talk about exactly what he said, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the quote exactly, but he says something along the lines of, in times of turbulence or war or something along those lines, the righteous build bridges and, you know, idiots build barriers or something, something to that effect. So essentially saying, you know, when we have times where we're seemingly separated, we need to find commonality and a way to bring everybody together instead of building up barriers to keep us apart and to keep us separated and divided. We need to try to find ways to come together. I thought that that message was extremely poignant considering our political climate. And I thought that that message was just so well, so perfectly eloquated by Chadwick Boseman. And it resonated obviously in the movie and in the sense of the MCU and how you know Wakanda, for the most part, they stayed out of everything. Wakanda had nothing to do with any wars, any dishes with famine, poverty. And that was Eric Killmonger's big problem. And, you know, we, we talked about Marvel villains and, and who we've considered great villains. And obviously you have the Lokis who are up there as far as great villains are concerned. Although he kind of teeters back and forth. I'm not 100% sold on him being a villain, not 100% sold on him being a good guy. But, you know, take that what it is. I think that Michael B. Jordan's Eric Killmonger, for me personally, is the strongest villain because of the simple fact that he brings up some really really good points in regards to as soon as he walks in he says y'all y'all living good y'all up here on the throne and and y'all i want to be on the throne i want to be what y'all doing you know we have people that look like us in all different parts of the world the poverty famished um that are being persecuted and prejudiced against and they look just like us but we're not doing anything wakanda's not doing anything to help them and, you know, then T'Challa makes a comment, oh, well, I'm not the king of the world. I'm the king of Wakanda. <laughs> and Eric jumps right back in. Michael B. Jordan jumps right back in and says, well, didn't all life originate here? Didn't all life originate from this continent? So wouldn't we all be brothers and sisters at this point? He didn't back down. And he said it with such conviction that I felt myself truthfully kind of siding with Killmonger a little bit. I have to say that his entire thought process and the way he the way he went about it he was very very methodical and very to the point this is what i want this is how i'm going to get it all he knew was violence from the beginning so the only way he knew to achieve his goal was complete violence it was just such a convincing portrayal and it was something that they did not truly you know obviously the, the eric killmonger in the movie in the mcu was slightly different from the eric killmonger in the comic books and you know we could go hours and hours on the differences between the two but the bottom line is that ultimately both of them were shunned from wakanda for you know different reasons obviously the mcu's version didn't even get to know wakanda and the actual comic book version was shunned and pushed away from wakanda and tried to come back and make it right just to sabotage it again this version of killmonger Michael B. Jordan's version was such a strong standalone. Like I would pay money to see an Eric Killmonger film. I would pay good money to see an origin story of Eric Killmonger and how he came to be who he is and how he got to that particular point. I would pay good money to see that. And that, my friend, is the definition of a good villain. Somebody who I want to dive more into. You know, I know Loki. I get Loki. I get his backstory. Okay, I don't really need to know too much more about Loki. Obviously, the other MCU villains, which they seem to have a big thing about killing them off. I don't understand why every villain has to die in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but, you know, it's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> the fact that he's a villain, and I, again, I use the term villain relatively loosely here because I just, I 
can't bring myself to completely call him a villain. I can call him an anti-hero. He definitely has his own way of doing things, very uh, Jason Todd, Red Hood-ish. And not that he wants to be this bad guy per se, but he has an agenda. He feels like the world has been has wronged him and has wronged his people and everything he believes in. And so he wants to go about fixing it. And granted, this is much more of a Malcolm X style of fixing the problem that versus a Martin Luther King style of fixing the problem, if you will. It's kind of the same side or kind of two sides to the same coin. His just his his performance absolutely would stand out. From a thematic standpoint, some of the other elements to the film that a lot of people aren't gonna catch is, you know, we, and this is not just a, a black issue, this is just a human nature issue. A lot of the times we pay for the sins of our fathers. And that was something that was very, very eloquently pointed out in the movie. And to almost to a point where it was like, you know what, T'Challa seriously had to say, you know what, you like he did, he said, you were wrong, all of you were wrong to keep us away from everything and to isolate us from every other problem in the world. Your fear kept us from doing the things that are right. And that's not what a king does. That's not what a man does. These are all thematic elements that can affect all of us. I'm not just talking African-American. I'm talking every culture goes through this. We've all paid for the sins of our father in some way, shape and or form. And it's important that those type of moments are not lost in the beauty and the spectacle of this film. There were so many other thematic elements too. We could talk about, you know, the, the oppressed becoming the oppressor and how, you know, one person, one group eats very well while the other people starve and they're not helping the other people to succeed. And that was Eric Killmonger's problem. And so there were so many different themes that played so well that if you're not paying attention, if you're just there for the spectacle, you will absolutely miss it. Once again, it's TJ Johnson from The Voice from the Underground, available now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker. Ryan Cooler went out of his way to make sure the themes and influences we've talked about clearly come across, don't they? And the fact that those themes are put in there so well and are so intricately woven into the story, you, you miss it, is just a true testament to the director, Ryan Cooler. It's a true testament to that awesome cast that awesome cast that was able to portray these characters and put these characters in a light that we've never seen them they made the character who ultimately in the comic books called man ape into a likable and relatable character and he actually has a name that we don't even call him man ape he's never called man ape and he's a, a character that actually has a nice little redemption arc for lack of a better term it's just they <sighs> ryan coogler did this so well and to see all of those awesome characters on the screen go through what they went through and still incorporate Martin Freeman's character to be a crucial part of this movie. And, and it just goes to show you, this is for everyone. We all truly need to work together. And this is, again, this goes into the big thematic element of this movie. We all need to find ways to bridge our barriers, bridge our gaps. If Everett Ross wasn't there, we don't know how the movie would have ended. Could you have put somebody else in Everett's position? Possibly, but it wouldn't have made sense from a story standpoint. And it just goes to show you that ultimately we all need each other. None of us are gonna make it out of this world alive. Let's be very, very clear. We are all gonna go. We need help. We can't do this on our own. And I think those themes are just so, so, so prevalent that it was a movie that we wanted, but I, I think even more so than we wanted, we, we kind of need it.
we kind of need to be reminded every once in a while that these barriers and these differences that we have, they're not really that big of a difference. We can find ways to work around and we can find ways to build bridges and mend fences and, and come together as a, as a country, as a community, as a Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, let them be the, let them be the beacon. They've showed us how to do it. Let's, let's, let's follow their footsteps if we can. So many awesome things out of this movie. So many. Well, it's been awesome to have you here on the show sharing your thoughts on Black Panther. And it's my hope that everyone else gets the same amount of satisfaction from the movie as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely going to be back around Infinity War, man. Let's be very, very clear. I told you, you should not feed me because I'm going to keep coming back. <laughs> now I'm hungrier. Now I'm even hungrier. Gerald, I, I appreciate the time. Thank you for letting me come on here and, and do my soapbox rant and talk about how awesome and how effective Black Panther was to me and how much it meant to me. Like I said, just, just watching that movie, the first, the biggest word I, I, I could think of was just, just, just pride. I was so proud of that director and that cast and the way it all came together, that vision, the way it all played out. It was just, it was a beautiful film to see. And I'm excited that everyone got a chance to see it and there were no knuckleheads that messed it up for anybody that was the big part for me because i was concerned I, i'd be lying to you if i said i didn't think about it with the state of our state of affairs you know having a movie that came out that everybody assumed was about black panther being you know from the black panther movement not realizing that black panther was created three months before the black panther movement started can't let that fear stop you from doing what you need to do but i'd be lying to you if i said i didn't think about it but i'm happy to be able to say that Everybody was in that theater and not just African-Americans, white people, Middle Eastern, Asian. Like it was just an awesome film that everyone can relate to. Yes, the cast was predominantly African-American, but there was not one thing that happened in that movie that everybody could not find some way to relate to. And I think that ultimately is the biggest theme that I took away from that. Once again, it's TJ Johnson from The Voice from the Underground, available now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker. Also, you got to check out his upcoming gaming show called Gaming Thrones. It's going to be a great show indeed, talking about a lot that's going on in gaming and pop culture. TJ, it's always great to hear from you, my friend. Gerald, it's been a pleasure, brother. I know you got to wrap up, and I know I, I talk a lot, man. So I, <laughs> if you don't cut me off, I'll keep going and keep going. But I appreciate you having me on the show, man. And I definitely look forward to being back for Infinity War. Yes, indeed, it will be, as it's always great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. On March 30th, get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McGallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Pre-order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Kitty Origins Evolutions drops March 30th, 2018. And 
we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We want to thank you for sticking around and, and listening to the show. Well, he's back again. You got to check out all the great stuff today at robmccallumfilms.com. It's Rob McCallum. Start that revolution, man. It's coming on strong. It's uh, Revolution Radio, maybe. I hope so. I hope so. Because you got a lot of great stuff coming out there. Like, of course, Bacter Busted crowdfunding. You got to check out that on Facebook. Also, as well, the Kitty documentary. You can pre order it right now. You know, I know you got a lot of other stuff that's planned as well. Yeah, we got uh, a potentially new documentary in the works that we hope to launch uh, via Kickstarter campaign in late April. Again, I, I'm just waiting for like one or two more pieces to be able to tell people about what Jay Bartlett and I are, are trying to cook up. It's nothing's 100% until we throw it out there, but we're closer than ever to be doing some sort of a spiritual successor to Nintendo Quest. Uh, and it's taken a long time to get to this point. So we just don't want to rush it. We want to make sure it's just right and everything just lines up before we can kind of say anything officially. But we're really excited, and I know I've told you some details behind the scenes that you've kept in the vault and, and under lock and key, and I know you're excited to talk about it. Which, uh, is, which is pretty hard for a journalism major. <laughs> yeah, never, never spill your beans to the press. So there you go, broke the first rule. But he said off the record. So there, you go. there you go. Everything with me is always off the record. And of course, we have uh, Power of Grayskull coming out this year. At some point, I can't say too much more about that because my colleagues insist on radio silence. And then we have box art that should come out near the end of the year. Plus, who who knows what else is going to be between now and then? It's it's going to be an exciting year for us. Yes, it is indeed. And everybody wants to just keep up to date by heading over to Rob McCallum Films on Facebook or robmccallumfilms.com. So, Rob, I know we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to pop culture. So, pray tell, Rob, what is on your mind when it comes to pop culture well you actually pointed me towards our first uh, news item of business and that was a polygon article that talked about a kickstarter campaign for a video game system shock and it made news because there's over twenty-one thousand backers and they raised 1.3 million dollars to make this remake happen now the, of course the the studio is also working on system shock 3 and the plans for system shock 3 are not affected by their remake of system shock and uh, they have basically said it's on hiatus. Well, let, let's just get everybody up to date. This was a Kickstarter project for System Shock, which is the spiritual predecessor to what is now known as the Bioshock series. Okay, there you go. And it comes from Night Dive. Basically, they have said something as simple as, we took the wrong path. Our vision expanded beyond what we what we thought. Everybody wanted to add their own two cents. And before they realized, their money was gone. And they're going to be not necessarily laying off 14 people, but they will no longer be continuing working with 14 contract workers, which is unfortunate. No full-time people will be laid off. But this is a, a classic case of careful what you bite off when it comes to a Kickstarter campaign. Because it's, it's unfortunate that this is happening for the for the product itself, the actual game, and, and this is real-world stuff, but you have all these backers that put $1.3 million together, whether that money includes shipping or not, I'm not sure. And so now you've got two groups of people that are upset. You've got the real-world business stuff and that business life cycle and getting that product out there and into that ecosystem. And then you have the backers that were promised this and put their money forward ahead of time. And it's a lot of it just seems like mismanagement. It uh, They didn't know what they're doing. They didn't kind of keep... Uh, 
tight strings around what the project, how it was going. And uh, they are basically not sure with when it's going to happen. They have said that it will happen, that it will come out, which, you know, they have to do legally. They're obligated to have it fulfilled. And with software and other technological based projects, it's not uncommon to have delays. I know what it's like. The Nintendo Quest video game has been delayed from when we thought it would be due to very similar circumstances. It seemed to be a lot more difficult to create than we initially thought. But now we're back on track and getting it out there. So I can relate to this on a very uh, intimate level. We didn't raise $1.3 million, and I'm not letting go 14 part-time kind of contract workers, but it is a similar thing. And if you talk to any Kickstarter creators that have had successful campaigns or done multiple campaigns, the number one thing that they'll tell you where the delays came from, it comes from third-party vendors. So when you have to go and, and depend on outside sources to fulfill your project, that's usually the, the, the point at which things will be delayed or hung up or cost more than you thought. Now, they're not really dealing with third-party vendors so much, but they are relying on the work of at least 14 contract workers in addition to their full-time employees to get this out there. So it's maybe a, a second-party kind of worker. The individual who ran the campaign or Night Dive Studios, they didn't have enough core resources to get it done right away. So that's one of the things I was cautioning against. When you bring your project or your your amazing idea to Kickstarter and let the masses kind of decide with their with their dollars and they vote with their money whether this should be supported or not, make sure you can fulfill your promise. It sounds simple, but it's not simple. Like you make sure your scope has really been reined in and honed in. And clearly Night Dive Studios didn't have that or didn't continue to have that approach to the content. And now over 21,000 people are pretty upset that their money is on hiatus like the game. They don't know when they get it and they say that it's coming and I applaud them for sticking to it, but we don't know. We don't know. Exactly. And it, it just it goes to show you, you do have to be you know, very informative of what's going on with the campaign as it comes to fruition. I know the issue of getting the money was great and all that, but it looks like from what I was reading and investigating that it it appears that once they had the money and they started the process, that trying to initially get more funding from publishers, distributors, whatnot, that seemed to be the issue because they thought, oh, well, we got this 1.3 million. We got 21,000 backers. Of course, we're going to get uh, you know developers and publishers just landing in our laps. And unfortunately, that doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah, again, reliance on outsiders to see the vision come to fruition. And that sounds like a pretty big gamble to me to say, well, if we're successful here, we'll be successful there. And for you to have a Kickstarter campaign where you say, you're going to deliver this no matter what, but then to also say, actually, it wasn't no matter what. It was a two-part process. We hoped, if we were successful on Kickstarter, that we would lure the attention of a publisher. And that hasn't happened. Now, that is also a pretty big blanket statement. Why hasn't a publisher been interested? What are they asking for in terms? Have they just been offered bad deals from publishers? Has no publisher said, I'm interested? There's There's got to be something a little bit more behind the curtain on that because it doesn't take a lot to read between the lines and figure out that there's probably been opportunities and it's been squandered. And if the production of the game and development of the game has been squandered, there's probably been something done on the business development side that begs further review as well. I agree. It could be an issue of ownership. It could be an issue of what what's the split, uh, things of that nature. And when it comes to issues like that, it looks like that's out of the hands of the Kickstarter backers. 
and they put their faith into these people that are running this campaign to do it effectively once they get that initial funding and interest. But unfortunately, it does not appear to be the case at this point in time. It's true. And yeah, I want to jump right from that uh, Kickstarter project where it went problematic to another Kickstarter project that we featured on Backer Busted. I won't tell you what our final decision was, but it's a campaign called Eye of the Beholder. And it is a documentary on the art of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, according to their Kickstarter page. Eye of Beholder, the art of Dungeons and Dragons is an exciting new feature length documentary that explores the history, influences, stories behind the artwork that helps create the world in which we all play. The movie profiles D&D artists, both past and present, former TSR insiders, game designers, authors, and fans. Eye of the Beholder, the art of Dungeons and Dragons, is a celebration of the art we all love so much. Now, is this a campaign or that you were able to check out, or did you see our episode yet? I know it's pretty new. Yes, I did. Uh, it was a oh. very good episode. Uh, obviously, when you are trying to go ahead and promote and, and help spread the word about your awesome backed or busted crowdfunding projects. You have to go ahead and check it out. It is something that is uh, a little bit interesting to me because I do have a distant past with Dungeons and Dragons uh, as far as playing the game, interacting with it. It does bring back some memories and, and very fond ones indeed. So the question I, I like to pose, like you know, with all these topics on the Cosmic Crossfire, I like to take what's happening out there and try to pose a question and, and find out what the real discussion is there. Is there an inherent problem with art films? Art is so personal and subjective to the individual that it seems it's really hard. And believe me, I'm going to talk about box art here as a series and the complications and difficulties that I've had in crafting that series. Is there an inherent problem with, with documentaries that seem to tackle art that it's just never enough and it's always surface-based? If you checked out the episode, you were able to see uh, both trailers because we showcased both the, the newer one and the original one. And I feel like that the, the second one really just says, this art was great. Look how cool it is. Boy, it really informed how I play. This is really cool looking things. That's not a documentary to me. And that's my biggest concern with the project. Now, their first trailer did a lot more to illustrate what we hope to see. It does kind of go into a little bit of the history and the influence and some of the, uh, you know, the war stories behind some of it getting made. But ultimately, I, I came away feeling like, these are people talking about their favorite pieces and the artists talking about what they went through for the pieces that are most well known. Is that enough to justify a documentary? That's a hard thing to say because like you're dealing with now with box art, the docuseries coming hopefully uh, in the near future. I understand that the art as a concept as part of a film, whatnot, that's just hard to translate onto screen and be able to tell those stories behind the art and be able to make it interesting for the individual to watch on a, what, 90-minute, two-hour basis. So it really has to take a lot of investigative uh, things that, and I know you are doing behind the scenes, and I know personally from what I've talked to both you, Douglas Hoyabu, Nicole Galgazian at Retro City Games, that it is very difficult that you know, you've know you got this image, this iconic image that you want presented and you want to be able to tell the backstory, but it really is very difficult in trying to get that translated to something that's very interesting on the screen. Where I think this falls down for me, and I haven't seen the film, and I know they're close to finishing up, and I will give them props for getting the documentary out later this year. It's really hard to take a project and shoot for three years like they did without raising any capital and then put it on Kickstarter and say, look, this is going to be out in about six to eight months. 
this is the real deal. Here's your chance to kind of get in on it. So I give them props for that. But I feel like there's no thematic statement. I feel like it's pretty blanket to say, we're going to examine the history, the key players, the influence, the fans. Like it just feels like, okay, here's the brand. Here are the, the staple requirements for us to put in our paragraph. And then that's job well done. Like what's missing for me is a thematic statement. Give me that one statement that binds it all together where every scene, every interview comes back to that thematic statement and explores it in different ways to give us the structure of your 90 minute to two hour film. And I know you're trying to create that and craft that with box art, the docuseries and create, and actually the things that I've seen with your projects, Missing Mom and also Nintendo Quest is that you're trying to present that out as far as an overall theme. And I remember the first time I reviewed Nintendo Quest, your first words is that I'm glad to see that you got it were in response that as far as not just what was being presented on the screen, but also what was behind it as well. Well, it's, it's always hard for an artist. You hope the audience gets it. And with a, a film like Nintendo Quest with so much surface attention about the game show elements, can he do it? Here's his obstacles that he can't adjust. Will he do it? What's he going to come up against? There, there's a lot of surface busyness that is compelling in its own right, let alone what is the underlying hook that makes it all matter? And so, like, why does Dungeons & Dragons art matter? What is your thematic statement? And for box art, it, it took me a while to really figure it out. And I had to essentially recut six episodes because I just had interviews there. And sure, they took 20 minutes. But it wasn't anything I was super proud of. It was like, okay, it worked. So that's interesting. It didn't flow together. It wasn't enough to say the thematic statement was these people were illustrators. And the common thing they had in common was video game art. So, I mean, it was probably within the last six weeks I, I came up with this statement. And I have it on a, on a post-it above my computer. So when I cut, I always come back to it. And, it, and it's simply the infancy of the, of the gaming industry allowed for the individual to thrive and create the most iconic art that's existed for the medium. So everything you will see in box art will talk about how it was early on for the video game industry and how it allowed and promoted the individual to be themselves. And then we find out who these people are, how it relates to the art, and then how that relates back to the industry and how the, how the individual gets whittled away the further that the industry evolves. It's nice to see that you're keeping that attention focused for your own documentary and also trying to see if you can find that in others as well. So this is this is more like a kind of call to arms for my fellow uh, documentarians or filmmakers out there. Uh, it, really, it's any filmmaker because when, even when you're making a horror film, you're making uh, a rom-com, a drama, what is your thematic statement? What is that vision you're trying to express to the audience? And how is your film the vehicle to, to explore that? Just give me some of that. This campaign, I the Beholder, whether you choose to back it or not, regardless of what we've said, on backed or busted make sure you, you take that into consideration of you know amongst everything else we've said in the episode too you know what is this film trying to say and is that something important to you and is that a journey that you want to go on well, well hold on i will say this that uh you know some of these filmmakers out there that are making rom-coms or horror movies or you know, some type of genre movies or whatnot sometimes their theme is to just make a lot of money on this film but that's fine, but in order to make a lot of money, you need that underpinning so that it actually becomes worthwhile and worth talking about. If it's just junk food and candy, 
you're going to forget about that that little sizzle when you first put it in your mouth. But if it has that staying power and you're like, oh, I want another pack of Pop Rocks because I really liked how it popped and sizzled, especially when I had a Mountain Dew, that's what you know makes it worthwhile. And then that's when you're making the big bucks. And that's when you're going to go see your dentist. Now you're spreading the information. But if you have any questions for us in the Cosmic Crossfire, just want to give us a heads up popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well popculturecosmos humanica media game source and rob mccallum films on facebook and twitter as well if you get a chance again check out all the great stuff at robmccallumfilms.com and you will be going towards a great cause and a lot of great projects that are coming up for this man right here rob mccallum thanks very much sir and until next time until next time, this has been a part of the Cosmic Crossfire. And Rob, as always, it's great to have you on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the program. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today want to thank everyone out there for listening and also our great stations that we now have that are part of the pop culture cosmos syndication of networks including our newest network out of the uk we want to give a big special welcome to airwave radio in the uk you can hear us every sunday at 2 p.m uk time so everybody out there in the united kingdom can hear us on that great station Plus, also as well, you know we're on twice a week on the Podcast Radio Network every Monday and Friday. Also, Croc Radio as well in Canada. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's the Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting Network. On Wednesdays and Saturdays, it's Grey Cloud Radio. And of course, a two-hour block is set aside for our shows on Good Talk Radio on the Cutting Edge Radio Network as well. So we're we're just so pleased to be streaming seven days a week at so many different points in the world. You know, Canada, UK, the US, we're just truly, truly blessed to be a part of it. And if you want to download our shows, we hit with new shows every Monday and Friday. You want to check us out by subscribing and downloading our shows on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, the ESO Network, Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, Google Play, and so many others. In fact, we're on over 20 different podcasting formats. Josh, you've got a great thing going on as well with Humanica Media. So what's going on with everything at Humanica Media? Well, check out a brand new episode of Topic Ocalypse dropped last night, as well as a Topic Ocalypse one-shot review of Black Panther. Just my thoughts. You can read Also, you can also read them on the Pop Culture Cosmos site. There'll be a new What About This next week. There is no Inside Sports that I know of. And new Super BS cast just went live. So you can check that out also, as well as our Attack of the Humanican show on the podcast radio network every Tuesday night. Indeed, that is Tuesday nights on the podcast radio network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Check it out there as well. And I'll tell you what, there's so many great things going on there. And again, 
If you want to read Josh's thoughts, that's on our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, or check it out on his Topic Apocalypse radio networks that are on YouTube, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. So, Josh, you know, earlier this week, I was worried about if there were going to be enough great topics to talk about for today's show, but thank goodness to everyone out there that gave us a hand. Thanks to TJ Johnson from The Voice from the Underground for stopping by and Rob McCallum also as well on the Cosmic Crossfire. But this doozy stopped by our desk. We were thinking about talking about Joss Whedon and Batgirl. And if you want to go ahead and tell me your thoughts, Josh, no problem at all. But I know the big news in pop culture came just before we went on air with a lot of talk in regards to uh, maybe a little bit of a different movie idea. But did you want to share some thoughts on Joss Whedon at leaving Batgirl real quickly before we head over to some, you know, a munchy good time? I didn't think that Batgirl is going to get made because if they're having this much trouble with Batman, I don't, I didn't really see where the hope was for having a Batgirl movie anytime soon. While it's cool, I'm sure Joss Whedon is going to go on to do something, you know, a lot better than something that will actually come to fruition. You know, I'm curious why he agreed to it, though, in the first place. If he didn't have any ideas, I was just wondering what the hiring process for that was like. But, hey, uh, you know, he, he directed Avengers and Age of Ultron. People like them. People dislike them. You know, he does great stuff. So we'll see what he does. Maybe fans will finally get their wish and he will make a, another Firefly series. Who knows? Who knows, indeed. But I'll tell you what, uh, him leaving that movie is not surprising. It's just a shame that... The Batgirl, at least right now, as far as the movie's concerned, is maybe been put on hiatus because of it. And, and it looks like there's nothing uh, within the short term coming from Batgirl as far as being a part of the DC movie universe is concerned. But maybe that's a, a good thing overall because of the fact that there's so much meddling around with the DC movie universe. Maybe they need to clear some stuff up. And maybe they can go ahead and refocus on a great Batgirl picture down the road uh, and make it you know, even that much better because of it. Because right now they got a lot of things going on in the DC universe and who knows what's going to stick and what's actually going to you know, hit theaters anytime soon. But when it comes to movies that might hit theaters sometime soon, Josh, we got wind that Fox Searchlight may be looking into a movie inspired by Get this, Flaming Hot Cheetos. That's right, Flaming Hot Cheetos. We just got word of a great idea coming to Fox Searchlight. So I want to ask you, Josh, I know you're probably getting hungry right now, but your thoughts on Flaming Hot Cheetos and the story behind it, is this something that you would want to see? And this is something that will actually hit big in theaters. You know, I actually, while you were talking, I was thinking about the big bag of Flamin' Hot Cheetos I bought from Costco. <laughs> if they don't give out free hot Cheetos in this movie, you know, with your ticket, there's just no point. It, it, it's, uh, they're, they're reaching really far into the old idea bag. No, no, I don't want to see it at all, honestly. I just have no desire. I don't care. A guy who came up with Flamin' Hot Cheetos, yeah, he's got my respect, but I don't really care to see the story about how it was made. You know, if there's some kind of like special hot Cheeto special flavor they're going to hand out with each ticket to this movie, that might sway me. But, you know, I don't, why Hot Cheetos? Like, why, what is it about this guy's life that makes it interesting, I guess, would be the question I would want to know going into it. 
Well, you know, we did have the smaller film that came out in recent times with Ray Kroc, with Michael Keaton playing the role of Ray Kroc and help building the McDonald's empire and the story behind it. And even though it was thought of very highly critically, it didn't really mesh with audiences and really kind of got buried, even though he had already won his role for Birdman and it was already back to being a, a big star on the movie screen. So uh, I agree with you, unless the story and the writing is it's really, really good and, and it's something that might even be a, an Oscar contender, which maybe they are going to actually you know come to fruition as, but it's going to be a hard sell for anyone to believe or take seriously the story behind Flamin' Hot Cheetos being something of interest as a two-hour movie. But then again, if it's well-written, you never know. But I agree with you. It, it's just... Uh, but you know what was it that you said about you know what you were thinking about on the way as far as when we were going to discuss the the idea of flaming hot cheetos i said i was thinking about the big bag of flaming hot cheetos i had downstairs and hey there lies the problem too people are going to go into this movie you realize it's not what it is and they're going to go out and buy hot cheetos and just you know not finish the rest of the movie so i want to know more but i don't want to see it well, will they be selling the Flaming Hot Cheetos at the snack bar? That's what I really want to know. Or will they be giving some out with every movie ticket? Who knows? But it is something that could come to fruition if there's a good story behind it or something that Fox Searchlight might give a thumbs up for. But who knows? Maybe even Chester Cheetah may not be able to even drive this baby home to the silver screen. But we'll have to wait and see because it, it could be really cold as a movie or it could be flaming hot what are your thoughts on zing. A, uh, yes zing. what are your thoughts on a flaming hot cheetos movie as far as a biopic picture not even a cute kids movie or anything like that but a actual biopic dealing with the creator of flaming hot cheetos is this something of interest to you or do you just want to go to the store and just buy some cheetos and be done with it share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, it's been a great show we had here today. Do you have any thoughts as we head on out? I'm going to go see Annihilation tomorrow, so we can discuss that on Sunday. Absolutely, and that's something with both Game Night and Annihilation coming out very soon to theaters. That's one thing we wanted to talk about. Is it going to be any competition for Black Panther in its second weekend or are these movies are going to really just suffer from Black Panther being so popular and get, get really, really annihilated, sorry for the pun there, by Black Panther's success? Because I, I think it is actually going beyond even what I thought it would be. And I think it's going to go beyond the $1 billion mark because it hasn't even premiered in China and Japan as of yet. And it's doing this well. I'm just so pleased for everyone involved. So it'll be interesting to see if Annihilation and Game Night, which are both coming up, are going to be movies that might give it a run for its money or if Black Panther just has too much at this point in time as far as momentum and as far as everybody having such goodwill for it that it's just going to overwhelm anything else that comes across until, what what did we say, next month, halfway when you've got Pacific Rim and a couple other movies later in the month in March coming out, right? Yeah, we're. I think March 18th, I want to say. Is... Yeah, Pacific. I, I see yeah. if it could very easily 
dominate the box office until that point of time. Even something like Bruce Willis in Death Wish does not look like it's going to stand a chance against Black Panther, but it will be the sign right now this weekend for movies like Annihilation and Game Night going forward if either of those movies or anything else can compete with Black Panther until Pacific Rim Uprising. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. Yo, 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 what is up, my little babies? This is Dave. Uh, it's been a while since I've been back. I've been so busy with my blog. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back in the queen. Uh, yeah, I've been like totally lawing it up, just law- blogging on my law blog and being a total tight boy. But it's good to be back. I miss y'all. Miss my boys here. My boys. And uh, yeah. Miss our Ukrainian listeners. <laughs> miss our Ukrainian listener. We're all about that <laughs> listener. We love you. <laughs> what have you been playing, David boy? I will tell you. I'll tell you right now. Uh, well, it's been a while since I've been on. So um, let's do a quick recap of the last month of gaming I've been doing. Uh, I've been playing some Hearthstone, uh, beat a few more dungeon runs with the kobolds. Did you beat the whole thing yet or no? No, I, I haven't okay. played it in a couple of weeks, but I beat a few more um, few more characters on a dungeon run, so that's been pretty fun. Uh, picked up Diablo 3 again, uh, picked up my Necromancer, which has been really cool. What and level is you? What level are you? Uh, my Necromancer's like 36, I believe. Cool. And then my palette or my crusader is like in the 50s. He's in Act 5, but I kind of burned out on Act 5 because I'm at this weird spot. Every once in a while, you get through these sections in the game where your skills are a little bit underpowered versus the monsters that you're fighting. So I'm kind of in one of those rut moments right now. You have to grind or? You, you can't. I mean, you can grind, but you shouldn't have to. I haven't had to grind in that game yet. Maybe I'm approaching that point where you do. But the part that I'm playing at now, it's um, maybe my skills are just need to be retooled but i'm at this point of the game where it takes me about seven seconds to kill one trash mob and in a game like diablo that's just 
excessive. You should be a, less than a sec, you, man. You should be like blowing up waves of guys with, you know, in seven seconds. You shouldn't have this to is, focus on one guy. This is Dynasty Warriors, man. <laughs> it's Dynasty Warriors. So I was playing that for a while. It's been really fun. Um, playing a lot of Mario with my son. Um, you, I'm about... You've been watching an award-nominated cartoon, too, right? Which, oh, uh, yeah. Is yeah. This, is the Mario cartoon that you've been watching, is that the... It's just a cartoon, or does that have the, the wrestlers? The humans at the beginning. Not wrestlers, but it does have res- real people in it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're wrestlers. Oh, they're or wrestlers? The, I think the main guy, the fat guy that plays oh, Mario. Oh, he's an actual like, WWF guy. I think he's a wrestler. Oh, okay. Was, I can see that. Yeah, that was the one that was on Sunday Dude, mornings. I remember I had a, I had a cassette tape of that Sunday. once ah. where they like ate spaghetti or something. Dude, it is, yeah. it's bad. It it's is so great. It's so, so bad. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, every episode starts, um, it's like a completely unrelated plot. Like the people, there's a people plot, and there's like a cartoon side plot that has yeah. almost nothing to do with it so in this one that i was watching with my son um mario and uh mario's eating a bunch of pasta and bread and stuff and then luigi is playing chess with some like sewer guy that you don't know who he is he's just like a sewer worker just like the games just like the games and then this like little girl comes in who's um she's native american and she comes in and says her name and it's like like a native american name like runs with premise or like the south park i don't know what it is but it's something like that and she comes in crying and she basically swindles mario and luigi into throwing her this like really big birthday party and it's hilarious and then that ends still better than uh the mario brothers movie right right where the, <laughs> where the actor didn't even know it was a game john Leguizamo, the man okay uh no it's a game they're, I mean, they're make, they're remaking a movie, right? They're making another yeah. Mario movie with um, Illumination Studios. But who knows when? Because uh, Miyamoto <clears throat> said something really weird about it, where he's like, I don't know. He said something where whenever we reach a, if we ever reach a point with an idea where we don't think that it's good, then we like, like halt it. So he said that about the movie. So it's kind of cryptic. Oh. Like, is he saying that they decided that whatever script or production is happening is just not good, so they're just stopping it? I don't know. It's with Illumination, but they are. I think Detective Pikachu will be up first, which is awesome that that exists. Ooh, but I, anyways, back to. I don't uh, think a Mario movie could ever be good. I just I'm gonna say it. It's oh, yeah. will be amazing. There's no way. <laughs> it's stick, got an, it's the best story ever told. Okay, <laughs> right. they'll stick to the minion formula. They'll be far. There's another Mario and, cartoon where it doesn't have the human guys, and it's like Mario Three or something. That oh yeah, I've seen that. Isn't yeah. it just like a one-off? It's like a, a longer cartoon. For the I, game? I don't remember it's not a because... Se- is it a series? I think so. Because when I was a kid and you see that kind of stuff, you're like, whoa, there's like a show of my game like kind yeah. of thing. And it's like mind-blowing. Right. And all that stuff was really elusive because it was either on cable or I didn't know how to like look at air times and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. you couldn't access it. Yeah. You get the definitely. TV guy. There, man, that's how <laughs> and one of the cartoons, Toad actually took the top of his head off. Well, that's, I can see uh, that happening in this one. In this one, he's like a like a toad is a voice by like a tough New Yorker guy. Nice. It is it is really really strange. <laughs> Anyways, um, Eli was or my son was getting a little bit scared by it, and I was like, "All right, cool, we'll just watch something else." And I I definitely jumped at that because it was. So it's you think it's scary because he like I mean Eli's like Peter Pan and stuff. It's not that scary, but he didn't he didn't like and... Bowser. Um, and then he also. He also didn't like the dungeon that they were in. There's like little spikes and skill. He doesn't like the claustrophobic thing. I don't know. Has he seen Bowser in Odyssey? Because I feel like you guys have been playing yeah, that. Yeah, no, so. I think he's okay with Bowser, especially because we, we beat him. And I also explained to him that Bowser just uh, 
like wants to be friends with Mario and Peach and like he feels left out. It's actually kind of true. There's yeah. like stuff like they have such a weird relationship because he yes. even like in the games where Bowser takes on a much more menacing form like Mario Galaxy or Mario 64. Like in the end, it's like when he gets beaten, it's always like super goofy and yeah sort of you like, beat me guys you got yeah. me <laughs> then you eat cake together just yeah. like you should uh yeah so i've been playing mario um i think i am about 460 moons so approaching that um that darker dark, side of the moon darker yeah. side and i think uh i think the way actually i i was playing solely mario because i have zelda in the back burner but i didn't want to play it because i didn't want to get into zelda and then stop playing mario but my wife actually made a good point. She's like, oh, you should start playing Zelda and then save Mario for when you play with Eli. So we like hop on, grab like five or six moons and then blah, blah, blah. So I thought that was a good idea. So I'm doing that right now. Well, so. it's a dumb idea because yeah. you don't grab moons in Zelda. So right, you, tell uh, your wife how it works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Aaron. Um. So, uh, so that's been cool. Um, yeah, so about 460 moons on uh, Marmar. Picked, uh, started playing Zelda. And um, I almost... I almost sold Zelda back to the store. Oh my goodness! I... Wait, guys, Brian's gonna say something about this. <clears throat> no, I don't need. Just continue your story. Okay. All right. So I'm trying to play a game in a modern age where people don't just have 30 hours to kill at a time. Oh my god! And I wanted to get the warm doublet so I wouldn't have to constantly be popping uh, chili peppers while exploring snow areas. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll read this guy's little diary thing. I'll figure out how to make the recipe, the surf and turf fry, and then, you know, it'll be really fun. So he's like, okay, you have to go to this forest or whatever, hunt the boars. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so the first time I go there, I have just a couple of arrows, and I, like, I find a boar, and I take a couple shots, and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm out of arrows. So I have to, like, go farm a bunch of, like, little goblin things, come back with a, with a good amount of arrows. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to fight these boars. And so I'm chasing a boar. I shoot it once, and I don't hit a, a face shot, hit headshot. So it's running away, and I, I get another shot off, and I kill it, and it falls off that cliff, that little <laughs> precipice. And so I rage quitted then. Good. And then I picked it up again later that night, and I'm I'm just in the forest, and I see probably about one boar every five minutes. And uh, I sneak up to it. I get within shooting range. It like smells me or something and runs away. And I, I repeat that process for probably like probably uh, an hour. And I, I just got so fed up with it <clears throat> that, I, that I finally pulled out my bomb arrow. And I was like, I, I don't want to waste a bomb arrow, but I just I can't play any more time. I can't spend any more time on this because I'm, I'm like literally like sweating. Have you, do you ever get like, like so stressed out over something so stupid that you like start sweating and you like, I don't know. I, I was like getting really irritated. Anyways, finish the damn story. I'm trying. You jerk. I'm trying. That so was quite the build up here. So I shoot it with a bomb arrow and I was like, okay, finally, I see the meat on the ground. I can make this stupid <laughs> recipe and I see it and I pick it up and it says seared meat. And <laughs> I I screamed aloud and turned the game off. Oh I, man, that's one of the best things about that game. It's how, the coolest thing. How it's like ever. if you kill a monster with a flame thing, it's and like it, it turns their meat. It. Into yeah, yeah. You get more hearts for it. Don't hunt. Sure. Don't hunt in Death Mountain. <laughs> like, oh, you have like one second to pick everything up before yeah, it's cooked. Death, Death Mountain is. But anyways, I continue. Want to know about that? Continue with the end of this story so we can. All right. So I rage quit it again. And then the next day, I was like, I'm just going to give this game one more flipping chance. And uh, I log in, and there's a boar right in front of me. I don't even move. 
shoot it once and it kill it. And then I was like, why didn't I just, why couldn't that just happen last night after spending oh, man, three hours so doing this? You, you need to adjust your perspective of the game though, because like the point of, I mean, a lot of the point of the game is sort of like just kind of milling around. Yeah. It's um, a very chill, like explore the world. Yeah. So if like you like, you want to discover the fun and all that stuff, um, you can it's hard i would yeah it's not it's like the <laughs> funnest game one of the funnest games ever made. i'm having fun now i i tried to hate it just because it was so popular and part of me likes to be contrarian and i couldn't do it like i just i was like it's, in love it's so good um but yeah you gotta you gotta like have the mindset like oh i just want to explore this area and see what happens hunting gets really easy once you because what happens is you sneak and you get impatient with it and you move too fast so sneaking and like walking all the way is sometimes not good enough. Sometimes you have to like even like sne like sneak step where you're like barely pushing the analog stick, and you'll find that by making those adjustments, you'll actually save more time because you like walk really slow and they're like, oh, this is taking too long. I'm gonna walk fast and then everything runs away. But then eventually you'll find clothes that make it so you pretty much are invisible. I know I wanted to buy that stealth suit like right away, but of course it's like 50 billion rupees. Yeah, you just get ready because the economy gets a lot rougher than that stealth well, suit. Well, once you once you get once you get a little bit of a grip, I can show you how to make like 10,000 rupees in 1 minute. So Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's really it's really great. <laughs> it's like one of those success books uh Donna is like a success <laughs> well, to rupees. Well, I found so cuz there's a couple different there's a couple different places where you can so the the one that I found useful for a while is when you get to the snow areas and you can do snow bowling. And there's a certain spot where if you stand and bowl every single time, you will get a strike, and that gets you 300 rupees. But mm. the better one is to hunt dragons, because once you do this thing where you... Uh, don't spoil too much. I don't even know if he's come across some of these characters. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, it's not really... Are. It's spoil. Yeah, you'll. I'm not going to spoil, but once you... Basically, once you figure out how to access that, um, you can you can find them in a spot where you can literally like reload it every 10 seconds and hunt them for parts and then they sell for crazy amounts of money so Ew. it's the economy is punishing until you get good and then it's like and it, just get good you, get yeah. good scrub. You jerk but yeah, like you're gonna the find that mark. there's gonna be shrines that take you 10 like you know one minute to do and then shrines where it's like oh my gosh this is insane where you're like constantly redoing it i left a few and literally came back later because that's I would one of the tips in the loading for, screens yeah <laughs> my biggest tip is turn off all the the HUDs, like turn off all the minimap stuff. It's so useless oh. hmm. and it makes the game so much more immersive. Okay. If you go to your options, you can turn on pro mode. And the only thing that's useful out of all that stuff is because basically the game is so designed, is designed so well that everything that you need to go to looks interesting on the map, like as you're walking. Your visual. Yeah. yeah. But you, you'll find the shrine thing <clears throat> where it like, t like blinks when there's shrines nearby. Yeah. That will still turn on even if you turn off all that map stuff. Oh, you mean I just got all those basic runes from yeah. Pura, whoever her name is. So, um, so you can turn it off and it's great. Like okay. it just makes it that much more. Um, I was like afraid to do that for five minutes and then I played the entire game that way. And Okay, that's be a good idea. Yeah. Before we, like, because I got to take a potty break soon. Tell the listeners, though, what you what, told me. What do you me. think about potty? Is it going to pee? Yeah, like, no, well, I also have to potty, also known as the New York party. <laughs> um, okay. outside. Right. Don't potty just yet. Yeah. Um, but tell the listeners what you told both me and Donna off air about it in relations to Kingdom Hearts. Oh, and this what I described segment. the boar thing is? 
Oh yeah, it's the Kingdom Hearts uh, gummy ship of 2017. Let's be fair, it's not because you, <laughs> not all you do one time. It was a one-text really line joke. I don't. Right, no, no, I get it. But technically, the gummy like ship that. you hated because it was lame. This yeah. was something that you like, but it wasn't something you were terrible at, unless you didn't tell us that after all these years. Uh, that oh, I was terrible at gummy ship. Yeah, I wasn't terrible at it. I just hated it, and I almost <laughs> and it made me quit the game. And this almost made me quit this game. So. I, I, I was like wanting to facepalm this entire story. <laughs> well, anyways, the the moral of the story is that um, I, you know, conquered my you know fears and beat the game. Now I haven't beat the game, but um, I'm having a lot of fun in the game now. As soon as you beat the plateau, you finish the game. That's the <laughs> hardest part. Is the first four uh, tries. I am, yeah. I am having a lot of fun in the game though. Now I I um, am exploring. I, I got to Kakariko Village in a, probably the worst way possible. I found this like centaur dude on the road. <laughs> and oh, Lionel, I, you shouldn't see them for a and while. Then, and then I saw this like sleeping troll giant oh, guy. The one like, yeah, those yeah. Guys. Oh. I saw I saw some really scary stuff. And then I was like in the snow and then I was like, I was doing fine because I'm a war doublet, obviously. But then <laughs> I started like scaling this mountain and it's like, it is becoming extra cold. You're still yeah, going to take damage. Yeah. You have to get full. Like, I was where, like, where did you go? He probably went to the left to, uh, oh, what is it? The Sahara, the desert tribe? No, the I, Gerudo. I, I, didn't, I didn't go to the Gerudo. What I did was I, I followed this um, this trail through these um, through this like valley thing and then it ended Between up in this... the dual peaks yeah, I don't know well, I went I'm to Hateno sure. Village and went north I yeah assume. I mean it sounds yeah. like Hateno Village because so, there's a mountain north of there so where where I ended up though was like where there's like these like ruins are and there's like a lake and there's all these like chameleon monster guys and That's, they're swimming in the water those guys names? sounds like Lizardos if it's a big or? lake yeah, it's Lizardos. oh um, I know where that is it's the De La or something yeah. starts with a D so, you should go a little bit north is that, if you want to like stay on the you're near like path. the grasslands and stuff yeah so I, I already got through that area and then what that did that led me to the centaur guy and then I had to go around him and then I scaled all these mountains in this like super weird way and then I like crested this peak and then I was like basically in um the the Hateno where's where's Hateno like the village. research H lab? Hateno Village. Hateno Village. Yeah. And so then I you, ended up in Hateno Village. Okay, so you didn't go to Kakariko? I went to no, Kakariko, went to Kakariko first, first. Okay. And then she told me to go to Hateno and I didn't know the way to go. Yeah. So I I went that way. After yeah. you do that, if you wanna like try to finish the game because it is like in some reasonable amount of time instead of putting like the eighty hours most of us put in at this table, I'd go to Zora next. Otherwise, oh, okay. you're going to be playing the game. I mean, I love playing it. I love playing every minute of the 80 hours. But yeah, exploring. You want to spend days where you just explore and find shrines because it's so fun. Filling out the map, I like I think as long as I, I make progress, I don't. I don't really yeah. care because I like. I like doing the shrines. I like doing that. Um, like yeah. the exploring and stuff like that. I just want to have fun. And hunting the boars was not fun. It's very fun. Hunting is is pretty fun once you just get better at it. I, and... I did. I think I did get better at it. And Brank told me to turn off motion controls, which yeah. My, oh, definitely I did, do so that. Yeah. Yeah. I realized they yeah. were always auto on yeah. and I was like that makes the shooting almost impossible it, it was yeah. really tough it, you've been playing in portable right uh, was that the dog ears yeah uh, no uh, portable is when you're holding the whole system with uh, oh either connected. portable or dog ears yeah depending okay. on what I want to it do. doesn't matter which one you're in both of them will have motion controls auto on so mm -hmm. like if you're holding in portable it's so easy to move your hands even just a slightly yeah. turn off and it will turn off motion your... controls and turn off the HUD it'll okay be, it'll I'll try just that look cooler you'll just You'll just be more, you'll get more of the actual game where it's like, this is about exploring. And then you'll just be like, well, I don't have any like mini map icons that are directing me where to go. They, like, they still keep the hot cold, all the stuff you need though, right? When it shows up. Um, I yeah. didn't actually, I, I left the HUD on. But yeah, uh, um, it's you, the game always tells you when it's too cold. It's rarely, it's only, there's only one 
So like two areas of the game where it's too hot, and one of them is not too hot. It's you just catch flint, catch fire. So you need a specific <laughs> like you need different armor for both of those places. And then the only most of the places are that are too cold. It tells you on the screen like it's too cold. But you can. Or you start breathing. It's yeah, but there's there's multiple ways around that because there's too. better there's better cold armor, but you can also just wear a flame weapon and that warms oh, you cool. up. Too. Oh, really? That's fun. Because in the uh, you can buy when you go into that village with the uh, in the in the Rito village. Yeah, but yeah. I spent You're so not, he's not when I Rito, when I explored the game, I did the crazy cold Hebra. Uh, mountain area before Rito Village, oh, okay. and that's the coldest part in the game. I'm pretty sure, and I didn't have the armor, so I I wore my warm doublet and wore a flame sword. Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's cool. I <laughs> yeah. know it heats. I use a lot of flame weapons for like not hitting, but yeah, like, it, uh, it melting warms, stuff. It warms you up. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get armor and gear and junk that doesn't break after like ten? Armor months? never breaks. Okay, armor never okay. Breaks. all right, good. That's good. Um, gear weapons, weapons. weapons always break. There's nothing unbreakable. They're all of the best stuff. Um, the master sword doesn't technically break; it, it just needs it has to, to re recharge. recharge. Okay, and then you'll you'll you're gonna meet a character that will help you increase inventory space. Does it's, he roll with you or like? No, but, no, you'll meet him. The, the only thing is, is that that character is useless if you don't actually just explore everywhere. Yeah, Have for you sure. Found Korok seeds yet? Yeah, I found okay. three or four on the plateau. Yeah, yeah we'll so need those. you'll you'll get used to patterns with Korok seeds where it's like you'll start to see like, oh, there's three trees. Exactly on this hill next to each other. There's probably something here, or there's a rock formation here. Yeah, it's a circle, right, but there's right. one missing, and, and it'll it won't repeat itself in the sense of like here's the exact same design, but it'll be like the same concept, or you'll Little see anomalies. Yeah, or you'll see like a lake with a circle of rocks or flowers in it. It's yeah. like maybe I should dive through that. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you want to get those because those will help you increase your inventory space eventually. Oh, that's what those things do. They're yeah, like yeah. gold scutula type thing. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. There's no yeah. scutulas. It's funny because there's no scutulas which have been part of the <clears throat> Zelda franchise since Ocarina. Ocarina of Time, but there's Lionels which haven't been in a Zelda game since Zelda One. Yeah, hmm. it's cool that Are they those the centaurs. Some, yeah, yeah, they're actually oh, okay. they're, they're like they're lion. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, they're like lion centaurs. Yeah, I, I they remember look like Ganon kind of. I remember. Yeah. Um, when I was a little kid playing the original Zelda, and like if you want to get the upgraded sword, you have to go through those guys, and they're hard. And like I remember doing it, it's like they're freaky because there's like there's nothing yeah. like them in that game. <laughs> Did you get to go through a thunderstorm yet? I was just curious because no, the game I changes haven't. a lot with metal stuff. Oh, I, yeah. I don't want to say anything. I had else, my first but... Ganon. I had my first Ganon Nightfall thing. Okay. Oh, the red, moon? the blood yeah. moon. The You'll blood see that a lot. Rises. Yeah, <laughs> it was like that. that game have you done so... any of the towers yet? Uh, I mean, just the towers on the plateau. Okay. And then I've done a few extra shrines outside of the plateau. I just did the one where you, um, the wind one with the glider. It's like in Kakariko Village. Oh, it's a wind shrine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those it's, are fun. Okay. Yeah. And Some shrines. Glide around. Um, when you get, when you start increasing your stats with the glider, with the shrine stuff, mm -hmm. I uh, I did one on the plateau. I did hard. Stamina is the yeah. best thing. Well, you can, you can max you. So there's... There's you can get thirty hearts in the game mm -hmm. if you max out all your hearts, but you can you can max out your stamina wheel, which gives you two more stamina wheels, Ooh. and yeah. still get twenty eight hearts. Yeah, you can't yeah. So, you can't that's... get both even if you do all hundred twenty shrines. But uh -huh. the you know with the, the DLC internet, you yeah. can I think you can't <clears throat> you can't it's still you can only get to because only the first four shrines give you uh, oh that's right so you can get yeah. one more heart. So, so do you recommend trading off then? I well, do. I, I did at the beginning. I did trade offs, but then I moved to stamina at the end. Basically, you need stamina. so I got to I got to about ten hearts. Then I increased my stamina one full bar. 
Then I did hearts, and then I did the rest stamina. Just just do like if yeah. you're dying a ton, get yeah, stamina. You know, I mean oh, heart, heart. Hearts. Sorry, you need thirteen hearts to get the uh, the master sword. If I remember. Yeah, so correctly. yeah, so start working on that for sure. Okay. Don't like put it off, but. You're going to climb a mountain, and you're going to lose stamina really quick, and it's going to be frustrating, so you're going to want to put points into that. Are there yeah. other ways to get stamina and heart increases aside uh, from no. that? Like heart pieces? You could get, no, but you can get You can temporary. make potions and Yeah, there's no heart pieces or anything like that. It's all okay. shrines, but there's 120 shrines, so that's like the big meat of the game. Mm -hmm. um, there are things, though, like you can find climbing gear. Yeah. So there's gear that okay. makes you and climb it, faster. Like makes your stamina reduce. And there's food. It, it faster, reduces slower. how it makes you actually. So the climbing gear doesn't make your stamina reduce slower. It makes faster. you climb faster. Gotcha. So but you end up spending less stamina. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. We should maybe. Yeah, I, I think I need to take a break too. Hey, yeah. All right, guys, we are back. But I wanted to share with you a quick word from uh, one of our sponsors, Innovade. Innovate Inc. was created by a group of millennials, oh, charged term there, who are immersed in the latest technology and trends. As avid video game enthusiasts, they are embracing technology like VR and AR nice. to really change the way we experience the world. Innovate help, um, helps take businesses to the next level by building attractive websites, creating modern brands, and using digital marketing to encourage current and new audiences with social media, email campaigns, and online ads. They focus on working with small businesses and business owners to provide a professional digital brand. Uh, we've all had bad experiences with trying to build a website, so Innovate prides itself in delivering the best services by working with you to get your ideal outcome. If you are interested in learning more, see more, some of the companies Innovate has worked with by checking out their website at innovate.tech. That's I-N-N-O-V-A-D-E dot tech. And uh, let them know that you um, learned about them from the podcast. That'd be awesome. All right, guys. Real um, quick, though. What up? So they make Webby Poo sites? They make websites, yes. I'm going to have to get them enrolled, huh? Because we've got a humanmedia.com yeah, backs forward slash block. Yeah, you should hit them up. Yeah. <laughs> so we can have a Follow real website. Link. <laughs> <laughs> now, but they make they make really good stuff, and um, even if you're bored and you're not super interested in having a website done, I would definitely recommend checking out their sites because they're really well done. They really care about the people that they work with and um, work with you to make a site that it matches both the the brand that you're trying to get across. Uh, basically, they incorporate incorporate the um, the essence of your business into the design of the site, and it's really thoughtful. So definitely check them out. Uh, yeah, guys, so hit us up, uh, write comments and review us on um, iTunes or Podbean or whatever else you guys use. Um, hit us up on Twitter, uh, send us an email. That'd be rad. We'd read your email, ask us some questions. Superbscast at gmail.com. There you go. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, um, and then also we have an Instagram as well. So. And we, we kind of have a website, humanicanmedia.com. Oh. Slash blog. We're working on that right yeah, now. Yeah, we're going to probably get a URL soon. Sorry, we'll hit but up the Innovate has, Tech that guys. It's pronounced oh. Earl. 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 And Earl. We, have, we have our reviews. We have our Game of the Year stuff on there, so you can check it out. Um, another thing I want to add is we're going to try to start streaming, do Let's Plays, things like that. Zork. More often. Um, so if you guys want to email us, it would be really cool. To like start yes. talking with people because we know some of you listen to us. I mean, just hurry so. up and do it. It'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please stop being a jerk, you jerks. Uh, you that would be cool. Jerks? That would be awesome. 
Oh, no, we love it. Well, guys, any any uh, closing thoughts here before we pray to our listeners? Pray to <laughs> just kidding. Pray to Monty. <laughs> hey, we gotta get our we gotta get our uh, yeah, vortex going on. Yeah. When, it will upload soon, but I want to wait till we have another vortex we're playing. Yeah, I don't want people to have to wait two months between right. a vortex. Okay. We gotta set that up then. All right, I'll schedule it. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks again. Good to be back. Love ya. Haven't been listening to the Revcast? Here's what you're missing. <laughs> the sharks have an economy based on gold? Apparently. <laughs> the shark like decked out like Mr. T with the bling all over <laughs> Oh, now I want to see that. I want somebody oh to draw a picture God. of a shark with a, with a mohawk. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> the Revcast by RevolutionSF.com. Available at RevolutionSF.com, iTunes, and part of the ESO Network.